Our scripture this morning comes from Luke 2, 4 through 18. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Word of God. The Christmas story is an amazing one. Uh, as we dive into it, because it's like, I don't know if you've thought of it this way, but over and over and over again, God reaches out to these really unremarkable people in a way that, I don't know, makes me feel, I don't know, better about myself. <laughs> maybe, maybe makes you feel better about yourself. God reaches out uh, to, to Mary and Joseph, and, and while they do really great things and they trust God in really great ways, that as we kind of learn more about them and study more about them, they're, they're pretty average people, right? They're not kings and queens. They're not, they're not the wise men. They're not uh, these higher people of society. They're, they're normal, everyday people. And here uh, in Luke 2, I think we get the biggest example of that when the first people that the angels come to, they're bringing this good news that brings great joy to the whole world. And who do they go to but shepherds? And the shepherds are plain, ordinary people. And yet those are the very first people that come, the very first people that, that God calls, and, and they listen to God's call, and they, they arrive at the, uh, at the manger side, and they look upon Jesus, and they see this great thing that God is doing. It's these normal people, these everyday people that come to him and I just find that to be so encouraging during uh, the Christmas season. I find that to be such a great thing because I don't know about you, but I connect a lot more with the shepherds than I do with the wise men, right? I connect a lot more with these shepherds that are like, they're awake at night, they're just in their field, and, and in some ways they're like, they're standing around in darkness and they're protecting their flocks from, uh, 
from evil that, that might attack, but, but they're vulnerable themselves, and they're just standing there in the dark, and suddenly to them a great light comes. And, and then they're told that, that these angels aren't even the good news, that these angels just come bringing a message that, that one has come that is truly bringing light into the darkness. And it's this beautiful image that, uh, that I think captures the whole Christmas uh, season in a wonderful, wonderful way. So uh, this, this sermon series that we're into, we started several weeks ago, and it will go through uh, actually the week after Christmas. We're focusing on slowing down uh, during the Christmas season. We're focusing on, on looking into Scripture, seeing what, what Christmas is really about, maybe even pushing back against that uh, very American idea of a Christmas that is, that is surrounded by consumerism, that is surrounded by rushing around and, and having an endless to-do list and having so many things to do. If, if you want to know what it takes to have a perfect Christmas in our culture, uh, just Google it. <laughs> it's really alarming. <laughs> There's these lists you could find. Especially if you go to Google, you type it in, and, and then I'm not like being paid by Google, but uh, go to Google, type it in, and then go to the images, and you get these whole lists of and they say, this is what it takes to have like a perfect Christmas. You need to do all these things. You know, have a snowball fight. You need to uh, decorate cookies. You need to uh, buy a present. You need to volunteer some. That was on one of them. I was impressed. Uh, but the list goes on and on. And then you, it'll be like 30 things, right? And then you go to the next list, and it's like, here's the top 100 things. And then you go to the other list, and it says, here's the top, you know, 25 things. And if you don't feel like your Christmas isn't measuring up, uh, or maybe if you do, if you feel like your Christmas is measuring up, then go ahead and read these lists, and you'll see just how much you have fallen short <laughs> of, of what this standard that apparently has been built by, by us and, and people just in our world that say, this is what it takes to have the best Christmas. This is what you need to do. Check all these off the list, and then, and then by the way, be happy the whole time. Right? Don't, don't like be stressed, don't be worried about it. Uh, do all these things, and yet, when we come to Scripture, it feels very simple. You know, we spend so much time in churches talking about Christmas that you almost miss that what Jimeline just read for you is the entire Christmas account in the Gospel of Luke. That's all of it. It's, it's less than one chapter. And you go through, and it's, uh, it's this beautiful story, and there's great things going on, but it's not designed to be this overwhelming thing that stresses you out and makes you worried. So this, uh, this season, we're focusing on different characters in the Bible, different key people that play in uh, to this story, and we're trying to learn from them and what we can learn from them. So uh, today, we're going to focus on the shepherds, but a couple weeks ago, we talked about the prophets in the Old Testament, then we talked about Mary, uh, and then Joseph, and now we're going to talk uh, about these shepherds and a little bit about the angels, too. So let's jump back into the Christmas story. I'll give you a little recap uh, of where we've been. Two weeks ago, we were in the, in the Gospel of Luke, like we are today, and Luke, uh, just a, maybe a chapter ago, was focusing a lot on Mary's story. He was focusing on Mary and and an angel also came to her. We're told that she is betrothed to be married to Joseph. An angel appears to her and says that she will conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
uh, and that she will give birth to a son, and he shall be named Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. And Mary then hears from this angel, and she humbly accepts God's calling. And then we're told that Mary went to live with her relative Elizabeth for three months. Last week, we jumped back into the story, but this time through the Gospel of Matthew, who then kind of tells the same story, but it's almost through the lens or, or focusing on Joseph and how, how Joseph is dealing with the same situation. So, so Mary's been gone for three months, so now she returns back to Nazareth. She's three months pregnant, uh, been gone for three months, returning back to her fiancé, who knows nothing about this pregnancy. You can feel the tension, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't need to say a whole lot in Scripture because we can just feel what's going on. So she returns. Uh, we're, we're, you know, can assume Joseph is surprised. He's been out of the loop. He has obvious concerns. And then he has his own encounter with an angel, this time through a dream. And he's told not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife, that God is doing something amazing in her, uh, and that she will give birth, and that he should name the baby Jesus. And we are told that when Joseph woke up from that dream, that he did exactly what the angel told him to do. Now we're back into the Gospel of Luke, and the, the story picks back up, and Mary is about to give birth, and a census has been taken of the entire Roman world. And every family needs to go to their hometown to register the, the town of their ancestors. And Joseph, being from the line of David, needs to go to David's hometown, which is Bethlehem. Now this census, this is, it's a Roman thing, it's an empire thing. So, so the empire is looking at their people, they, they control a huge area, and what they're worried about is, is potentially two things. The first one is, are we getting enough tax money from these people? Because the tax money has to do with the amount of people. You know, so if, so if the empire doesn't have an accurate number of the amount of people, they, they want to know if they can tax them more. So that's the primary thing going on. The other one is that when the, when the empire goes to war, it demands a certain amount of soldiers from different areas depending on their population. So, so the empire of the world at their time has two things in mind. They want to make sure that they're getting enough money, and they want to make sure that they're getting enough soldiers from these people. So... So they take a census of the entire Roman world. And, and everyone goes to their hometown, to the town of their ancestors, to register. And Joseph, being from the line of David, goes to Bethlehem. This is verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who he was pledged to be married to, or was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So they've arrived to the town. 
The town is, is full of people. The line of David is long, and the, and the town of Bethlehem is small. So everyone's taking in relatives, and they're, they're kind of fitting them into different rooms. And in different translations, it says there was no room in the inn. There, there wasn't like, there's not like Meadowmont Lodge, all right, when they show up. It's, there's not like that kind of setting. What the inn would be is you would arrive to a relative's house, and, and hopefully, if you're lucky, they have an extra room. All right, so we're told that by the time Mary and Joseph got there, there was no extra rooms, which means they're either on the first floor of the house where, where a lot of the livestock were. Just, just think about it logically. So, so you probably, in a, in a situation where you're living in a place where it gets really cold at night, you wouldn't put your livestock in a barn outside. Because while they're stinky, they can also help heat your house. Right? So in, in this time, in this ancient setting, the livestock are, are right on the main floor of the house. There's sometimes other rooms off of it. Sometimes it's kind of a loft setting. Those aren't available. Mary and Joseph are right there. They're right with the animals. The baby gets born. He gets laid in a manger. I was always confused about this by, as a kid. The manger is this thing in front of me. It's not the barn. <laughs> There's like 50% of Americans are confused on what the manger is because it's not a word we use, right? So the manger is the feeding trough for the animals. So they're alongside the animals, and, and they have mangers there, and they put hay in there, and they put grass in there so the animals can eat. So, so they take the baby, and, and that's a softer place than, you know, the ground. It's not as dangerous, you know, with the animals around. So they place the baby right in the manger, and just like that, God has done this amazing thing. Just like that, Jesus has entered into the world. There's not some, some massive castle involved. There's not uh, this whole crowd of lords and ladies that are all celebrating. There's, there's not a, a giant banquet that happens. It's in the most plain and ordinary way possible. And that's how Jesus spent his first several hours of his life here on earth. Laying in a manger. When a future king in their time or a future emperor was born, messengers would go through the entire known world and they would, they would share the good news that a king has been born. That there's a newborn king. Actually, we're we have sources that talk about the Emperor Augustus. When the Emperor Augustus was born, immediately they sent messengers uh, to the entire world to spread the good news, which is the same word as gospel, to spread the good news, letting the entire empire know that a Savior was born. That, that to them, a Savior, he's going to be the new emperor, He's going to be the new king that, that he was born, and they, they sent it out, and it was this big announcement, and, and people went into each town and each village and shared the good news. But at this point, nobody knows about Jesus. Right? He's just laying in this feeding trough. Verse 8. There were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, the word angel means messengers. So here we have these, these holy messengers that are close to God. They're, they're so close to God that we're told that when they come to the shepherds that they're still shining with light. That's what that means. That happens over and over again in, in the Old Testament and into the New Testament where people are, are so close in proximity to God. Moses goes up on a mountain and God is before him and, and Moses starts shining with light. So these angels appear and, and they're so close to God. They live right in God's presence. So when they appear to the shepherds, they shine with light. They shine with God's glory. And these are the most probably mysterious and exalted beings in everything God has made. But yet whenever they show up in the Bible, they never point to themselves. They never, they never look for glory for themselves. They always point to what God is doing. So the angels appear to these shepherds at night, and it's these most uh, exalted beings, and they show up to these most average people you can imagine. And the shepherds in, in their time, they're lowly, they're, they're humble, they're, they're not like despised, but they're very, very average. They're just, I don't know, you and me. <laughs> they're, they're normal people. They're the everyday people. And, and yet, maybe because they're awake, God appears to them. And, and these angels come to them, and through the angels, they get a message that God has done something wonderful. That God has done something amazing. You know, these shepherds are, are really pretty average. And what is extraordinary is actually how much the Gospel of Luke focuses on them. That's really the only thing amazing about them. is how much they're in the Gospel of Luke. You know, Matthew... Uh, Mark, John, these other ones, they, they focus on a different part, the, the, the wise man feature there, right? That's, it's these higher people in society that travel great distances and, the, and they come there, but not here in Luke. Here in Luke, it's focused on the shepherds. It's focused on, on the simple uh, kind of people of society, the normal, the everyday people, and what makes them special is not their status, what ends up making them special is their relationship and their proximity to Jesus. Right? These angels are special because they live right with God 
in heaven, and now we have these shepherds, and, and they're going to do something amazing because they're going to draw near to Jesus. They're going to draw near to who, who this Jesus is and be in proximity to him. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that is half off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed, or all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I said it at the beginning of this, but I find this so, personally, I just find it so much more encouraging than uh, the wise men who, who follow and seek and are, are faithful for this long period of time and, and do all these amazing things. And, and they're already like this high, these high people in society and they're, they're influential and they're powerful. Um, and, and yet they, they travel and they come before Jesus. That's great. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. <laughs> That's, it's worthy of its own time. But, but the shepherds have something else because the shepherds are just like everybody else. And what makes them special is, is not who they are, not what they do. What makes them special is that they uh, are called into near proximity to Jesus, and, and that changes their entire world. They're, they're called out of what they're doing. They're called closer to him, and it, and it changes everything. It doesn't just change what they think. It actually changes how they behave. It changes how they act in the world around them. We're told that they go away and they tell everyone about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. They don't come with, with grandeur and they don't come with the finest gifts. They just come with truth and, and honesty and, and just kind of who they are. They arrive and they see this thing that God has done. And then they share the good news, and all who hear it are amazed. What makes this message so, I think, powerful is it doesn't end here. And if it was only in Luke chapter 2, then we'd be like, well, that's a great part of the Christmas story. But, but it continues, or it has been going on uh, for all of Scripture, and it continues into the rest of the Bible, that God continues to use normal people to do amazing things. And then if you start studying church history, God continues to use average, everyday people to do amazing things. And, and if you talk to anyone that has, has felt called by God into uh, any kind of you know, ministry or any kind of setting or, or missionary work or, or even just to serve in a certain way, uh, to others, and you talk to them for any amount of time, you realize they're normal people. I hope I'm not like spoiling it. For I'm a normal person. <laughs> You're normal people, right? We're just we're just everyday people. But but what God does is what's impressive. What what God does is is what's so important. These shepherds they weren't celebrities. 
They weren't famous. They weren't kings and queens. But we aren't either. They're just like us, but God calls them to something. God God takes them out of, of where they are, and he brings them somewhere new, somewhere closer to Jesus, somewhere where they can meet him, and, and it changes them. Maybe this sounds familiar for your own story. right? God, God takes these, these normal people and he calls them closer to Jesus. And when they get there, something happens. Something changes inside of them. They, they, they start to see the world in a different way, and, and they encounter Jesus, and, and it changes what they think, it changes what they believe, but... But even more here, it changes how they behave. And how these shepherds start to behave is they go away and they start pointing other people towards Jesus. They become the messengers themselves. At first, it's the angels, right? The angels come and they bring the good news and and then they share it with the shepherds and the shepherds come and now they're all messengers. Now they're all telling each other about what is going on, and we're told that, that all who heard believed and were amazed. This idea of shepherds is used a lot uh, in Scripture. It's used many times. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. It's a very uh, popular verse, John 10, 14. Uh, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and references how a good shepherd cares for his sheep. And how a good shepherd would even be willing to lay down his life to protect his sheep. In the Old Testament, we're told quite often that God is like a shepherd. That how God cares for his people. It's like his people are his sheep and he is the shepherd. One of the most famous examples is actually Psalm 23. Very popularly read in the church. I'll just read it for you here and then we'll reflect on it. Uh, in a second. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Whatever our path, whatever our stumbling, that the shepherd will lovingly guide us, will lovingly carry us, and lovingly protect us. And that we can depend on his goodness and his mercy all the days of our lives. God is not in the business of calling only the influential and the rich and the powerful. He calls average people to do amazing things. In the most simple way I can think of putting it, the the shepherds were called by God from where they were to go somewhere else. And when they were faithful to that calling, 
when they listened to that calling, they encountered Jesus. And they went away changed. And they spread the word of Jesus' birth. And we're told that all who heard it were amazed.